Hi, my name is Patty Sauls, and I am so glad that I get to speak with you today about a secret conversation that happened in Jerusalem between Jesus and a Jewish man named Nicodemus. We can read all about it in John chapter 3. Nicodemus was a rabbi and teacher, but not just any teacher. He was a Pharisee, meaning that he was an elite Jewish religious leader. But he wasn't just any Pharisee either. He was also a member of the Sanhedrin, which was a specialized ruling council, sort of like a Jewish Supreme Court. So we can see that Nicodemus was well-educated, accomplished, powerful, even famous in his world. He is a highly respected leader, teacher, and ruler. Now, ruler is an interesting word here. Do you remember buying back-to-school supplies? I loved school. And I loved the beginning of every school year, and I loved organizing my new supplies. I had the number two pencils, the markers, the glue sticks, and of course, the obligatory bendy plastic ruler. The ruler had only two jobs to do. One was to make super straight lines, and the other was, of course, to measure things. So what does my bendy ruler have to do with Nicodemus? Well. Like my plastic ruler, Nicodemus is a ruler. His job was to make religious teaching clear and straight and to lead his followers to ensure that they measured up and that they were in good standing with their community and with God. He was a ruler, making sure that things and people measured up. Little did Nicodemus know that this was exactly what Jesus wanted to talk with him about. He was going to learn about how a person actually measures up. How do we really know if we're in good standing with God? So let's get back to hearing how this secret meeting begins. And as I said, we can read about it in John chapter 3. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. First of all, I've got to say that I have always had a soft spot for Nicodemus. We see that he came to Jesus. This tells me that he's seeking something. He felt a need and had questions. And on some level, he sensed that Jesus had answers. There's a hint of desperation and humility, even from such a lofty, esteemed leader. And after all his education and years of experience, Nicodemus sensed something different about this man from Nazareth. And he communicates with Jesus respectfully, calling Jesus rabbi and teacher, acknowledging that there's a goodness, a rightness, even a godliness surrounding Jesus, what Jesus had been saying and doing all along. So Nicodemus came to Jesus, but he came in the quietness and darkness of night. No crowds would see him. There would be no gossip about why such a respected professional would reach out to this controversial amateur teacher named Jesus. Maybe Nicodemus was embarrassed to be associated with Jesus, but he was still compelled to seek him out. He may have feared his own religious party and feared other people's opinions, but this endears him to me even more because it shows how he was human. He was insecure, possibly afraid, but he was still drawn to Jesus and wanted to learn more. And then before Nicodemus even had a chance to ask a question, Jesus steered the conversation in a strange direction. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, 
he cannot see the kingdom of God. Whoa, Jesus did not beat around the bush. There was no polite chit chat. We don't hear Jesus say, Nicodemus, thank you for coming. I appreciate you reaching out to me. What would you like to talk about? No, Jesus made a beeline to the ultimate issue. He sees and addresses Nicodemus' deepest struggle, really every human's deepest struggle. It's the need to discover, how can I be saved? How can I measure up to be accepted by God? I love how Jesus got right to the heart of the matter with Nicodemus. Nicodemus respected Jesus, and Jesus shows his love and respect for Nicodemus by dealing with what really matters. It's as if Jesus doesn't want to waste time with useless debate or side issues. He knows Nicodemus is genuinely searching for truth, that the deepest spiritual questions have drawn him here to see Jesus, even in the dark of night, even against popular opinion and pressure. But let's be honest, Jesus' words are confusing. To be saved, we have to be born again? What on earth does that mean? Nicodemus was confused, and he thought Jesus was describing somehow going through a second physical birthing process, and that made no sense to him. Some of us may skim over the words born again because we've heard them many times, but do we really know what that means either? It can be confusing for any of us, so let's break it down just a bit. Being born again refers to a spiritual new beginning that is separate from our physical birth. Even though we are physically alive at our first birth, we are spiritually dead because sin separates every single person from God. Something has to happen for spiritual life to be conceived and grow and be born. Jesus said that this sort of spiritual birth requires the Holy Spirit or being born of the Spirit. Being alive spiritually or being right with God or being saved cannot be achieved through human effort. It is not a birthright based on your race or who your family is or where you live. It's not based on obedience to rules and it's not based on anyone's accomplishments or effort. Now, this was shocking and confusing to Nicodemus. How can these things be, he asked. He, along with his community, relied on their race, being Israelites, being genetically Jewish, as their membership card into the kingdom of God. They relied on this and on their religious accomplishments and law-keeping to be accepted. Now, Jesus was pushing against all of that. He insisted that spiritual life, being born again, was given to them by God through the work of the Holy Spirit, not through their own work or any quality in themselves. Just as a baby doesn't create herself and push herself out of the womb, neither can human ingenuity or effort lead to spiritual birth. I mean, let me ask you, how hard did you work to be born? Did you put yourself together? in your mom's womb? Did you get yourself out? It's kind of strange to think about it, but it's true. We can't take any credit for our physical birth. We were passive. And we can't take credit for our spiritual birth or standing before God either. We receive both physical and spiritual life as pure gift. It's as straightforward as that, Jesus says. It's an earthy, basic fact that's common to every human being. But he knows that Nicodemus still doesn't understand. He asks him, 
Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Now, instead of pausing to clear up the obvious confusion, Jesus holds Nicodemus in tension, and he unfolds even more difficult heavenly concepts for Nicodemus to wrestle with. So hang in with, with me here. We're going to fly quickly over some pretty complex, deep events from the Bible, which Jesus references. So first, Jesus references the Son of Man. The Son of Man is a hero seen in the book of Daniel in one of Daniel's dreams. The Son of Man appears in heaven with God. He is the Messiah, human yet divine, who will rule and reign over all creation forever. Jesus often referred to himself as the Son of Man, which was a bold declaration to say that he is one with God and that he would ultimately reign over his kingdom forever. It was statements like these that made many people skeptical, confused, threatened, even angry. And it must have made Nicodemus wonder all the more. And then Jesus refers to Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. This situation is found in the book of Numbers, chapter 21. It involves the Israelites being bitten by snakes because of their sin and unbelief in God. They're sick and they're dying, and they can only be saved by looking directly at a bronze snake that Moses made and put up on a pole. What a strange situation at first glance. Jesus tells Nicodemus that the Son of Man must also be lifted up and that only those who look directly to him will be saved. How shocking. How could it be that the Son of Man, the glorious Messiah from the book of Daniel, would suffer and be hoisted up on a pole to save people from their sins? Jesus is telling Nicodemus, the only way to measure up is to look up, to look up to Jesus. He is challenging Nicodemus to believe that Jesus is actually God, the Messiah, that Jesus will suffer and bear the weight of the sin of the world, and that those who look to Jesus will be saved. All of these are huge, challenging thoughts to Nicodemus, and they can be for us too. But we do have the help of history behind us. We know that Jesus was hoisted up on a cross like that snake in the desert. We have the help of 1 Corinthians 5.21, which says God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The work of new birth, to be made right with God, to be righteous, was completed on the cross. Again, the only way to measure up is to look up. Can't you just see Nicodemus staring at Jesus, mouth wide open with bewilderment in his eyes as he tried to make sense of it all? You may be trying to make sense of it all too. It is a lot to take in, and that is okay. So far, we've talked about what Jesus wanted to teach Nicodemus, all that we've just talked about, those deep gospel truths. Now, I also want to explore briefly how Jesus communicates. So not just what he communicates, but how he spoke to Nicodemus and how it can help us as we hold out truth to others. First, Jesus was available to Nicodemus. And how about us? How do we respond when someone comes to us for a relationship, 
with a need, in confusion? Are we open to being interrupted, to being inconvenienced? Are we willing to meet with someone on their terms, like in the middle of the night with a lot of questions? Do we welcome talking with someone who may not agree with us? So Jesus was available and Jesus was respectful towards Nicodemus. Do we treat people with respect, even those who are very different than us? Will we humbly engage with others and learn from them as we hope that they learn from us? So Jesus was available, Jesus was respectful, and Jesus was keenly aware of where Nicodemus was at spiritually and intellectually. And this is key. Jesus knew that Nicodemus was steeped in scripture. Religion was his life. He knew that Nicodemus was already asking deep questions, pushing for truth. So Jesus could get right to the point and push him towards complex scripture passages from the books of Daniel and Numbers. Can't you picture Nicodemus when he got home, scrambling to open ancient texts so that he could study and wrestle with all that Jesus had challenged him with? But not everyone is at that point. Are we sensitive to where someone is spiritually? What is their religious background? Do they seem comfortable or hesitant? Do they seem spiritually mature? Or dipping their toes in spiritual waters for the very first time or somewhere in between? Really considering where someone is spiritually can help us offer responses that won't be too overwhelming. And it can lead us to offer appropriate challenges that may help someone stretch and grow. We want to be sensitive so that we can be helpful and not hurtful. Sometimes we can push and challenge as Jesus did with Nicodemus. And other times we'll start with the basics with gentleness and patience moving slowly. So let's seek awareness and that sensitivity. And finally, Jesus allows Nicodemus to be in process. He doesn't demand an immediate response to try to close the deal on the conversation. He makes room for tension. Do I give others the freedom to be in process? Or do I pressure them to agree with me or to get the case closed? Do I feel like I need to have all the answers and to have it all tied up in a bow? Here's the good news that can be freeing for each of us. It's what Jesus is showing us. He's modeling for us in this conversation with Nicodemus that it's okay to be in process. So to refresh our memories about how Jesus communicated with Nicodemus, Jesus was available. He was respectful. He was aware of where Nicodemus was spiritually, and he allowed Nicodemus to be in process. So here's my very last thought. Along with all these things, let's remember and rest in the truth Jesus was revealing to Nicodemus. Two things. Number one, salvation is a gift that we receive from God. And number two, understanding takes time. The pressure is off. We can look to Jesus. Amen to that. Thank you.